Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes, nurse. I was turning up my headphones and I'm going, well, I got to tell you, something's wrong in here. And then I realized they weren't plugged in. But that's not my fault. It's on me. Thank you. And I was just about to call this the Ryan Kelly morning after. The players are locked in. Welcome to Balloon Party. It's presented to you by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That's Action Jackson. And uh, week two of the standoff between 101 ESPN and YouTube continues. And I will stand by 101 ESPN's side no matter what they decide in this uh, YouTube work stoppage, Jackson. And what a shame it is that people can't see us today because I think we look really good. Yeah, I'm glowing after uh, the events that went down this weekend. So, And that was John Mazalek announcing that Ali Marmol will be back and you are carrying a 72-hour glow. Yeah, I'm one of the few fans who wears an Ali Marmol jersey to the games. You know, I usually like to do that. I did that during the uh, Matheny era and the Tony era. Uh, so I've always been on the You're side of... You're a contrarian guy. Yeah, well, management guy. You know, I uh, think uh, the victories fall on the shoulders of the manager and the losses are on the players. Good for you. I like that. So, yeah, you can hate it if you'd like, but... You know, Marmol24, hashtag it now. Uh, there it is. Jackson is uh, fired up for the announcement, and uh, I'm fired up for this afternoon or morning, if you're listening in England, uh, this for this program here today, Jackson. I, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful victory for the Fighting Tigers of the University of Missouri, and uh, it'll certainly be a focal point along with college football and whatever else is in the Little Pills weekend wrap-up. Uh, before we go into the weekend wrap-up, I, uh, I want to give my thoughts on the game as much as I can possibly say uh, and, and try to encompass everything. So I'm going to go big picture, number one. This is what the program at the University of Missouri has needed for so long. And I'm not talking about a win against a, a non-conference opponent who's in the top 25 because they really don't play all that many non-conference opponents in the top 25. It's just not the way college football works now. So when you see the stat about them not having beaten a a non-conference opponent in the top 25 going back to Arizona State, also look at who they've played, who's a non-conference opponent at Farofield. Those those schools aren't going to usually come to Columbia because everybody's scheduling to get wins and get in bowls and prepare for their conference schedule. So with that said, I'm talking about reason for hope late into September. If you go back, you don't have a whole lot of seasons in which Missouri is undefeated, uh, even at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. 3-0. and yeah. There have been some bad losses early. Take your pick of whichever one you would want to cite, and that includes a year in which they played in the SEC championship game, 2014. They lost at home 
to Indiana. So bad was that loss that when they were in Atlanta the night before, I was doing a show from Atlanta and interviewed Brian Jones of CBS. He was in studio with me. And I said, if Missouri were to beat Alabama tomorrow, would they be in the national championship game? This was before the college football playoff. And he said, no, you can't put a team in with two losses. They had lost to Georgia as well. And one of those losses is Indiana. So to win a game that gets everybody, even if you're not a Missouri fan, talking about Missouri, both locally and nationally in college football because of that 61-yard field goal, that is such a huge moment for the foundation of the program. Uh, what it does for both this year and potentially beyond uh, cannot be overstated. At the same time, a loss this weekend in St. Louis, the destruction that that would cause to the momentum could not be overstated. And they are only a six and a half point favorite against Memphis. Gabe DeArmond was on TMA earlier today, uh, presented by James Carlton. He's with us every Friday here on Balloon Party, presented by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And he said his numbers right now, he's seeing estimates of about 27,000 at the Dome, which holds about 67,000 on Saturday. Dave Matter, who used to work for the Post-Dispatch and now works for the University of Missouri, said they sold 1,000 tickets following Harrison Mevis's kick uh, that won the game in two hours afterwards. But will there be enough momentum to get 35,000 people in the building, Jackson? Do you think that they will have 35,000? That's my over-under for you. I'll take the over. Look at you. I'll take the over. I think come Saturday or even Friday, people are going to be looking around at their plans saying... You know, I don't know. You know, we're not having much going on. Tickets are cheap. Uh, it's right down. You know, it's in town. We don't have to make the drive out to Columbia to go see the Tigers. We can see them here. That game, uh, talking last Saturday against Kansas State, was electric. I'm going to go see the Tigers. Get cheap tickets. I think a lot of late action will come in Friday night, Saturday morning into the afternoon. I think there's going to be a lot of giveaways. That's what I think is going to wind up happening. Yeah, that could certainly. Boost the numbers. That would be my guess. They'll ask how. They ask how many. Um, so that is important to say the very least that you carry the momentum over. With that said, they got the job done. It was a weird spot for me as I was watching the game. Uh, a couple of things to talk about the front half. One of the things that I asked Gabe on Friday was, "Is there any chance that?" They've been playing dead, so to speak, because I read an excerpt from an interview with Kansas State. I believe it was their defensive coordinator saying we don't really know who to prepare for with the Missouri game because we don't know what they've really shown. Right. And my thought process was, as was Gabe's, was once that game with Middle Tennessee State got close, you had to stop playing dead if you were and make sure you won the game. It appears that Missouri was playing dead in the first two games because the playbook they opened up in the first half was different than what we saw against South Dakota and Middle Tennessee State. So good on the coaches for that. Love that. That's mm-hmm. credit to the coaches. Brady Cook's performance in the first half, as good as he's ever been, and something I personally was so happy for him and secondarily didn't see coming at all but couldn't be happier for him because I think he's a hell of a competitor. And uh, he he was so good running that offense in the first half that it was heartbreaking to see him look like he wasn't going to be able to continue. And then when he does get back out there, he doesn't look like the same guy. I was looking at the line at the half, and K-State 
was plus 130 to win the game. Now, if I wasn't so emotionally invested in Missouri and it was just a business transaction, I would have bet a healthy amount of money on Kansas State to win the game at the half. Reason being, I felt like Missouri wasn't going to be the same in the second half because Brady Cook was going to be out there and he just wasn't going to be able to run, which then takes an element of the Missouri offense away. And they weren't good in the third quarter, but he was so good in the fourth quarter. Uh, Some incredible passes, uh, that would fly under the radar uh, to uh, Brett Norfleet, the tight end. He made a hell of a catch. And the one that I thought that was just so significant was the one that set up the field goal right before the stop. I mean, yeah. that, he led that team down the field, and granted, they only went about 30 yards, but still, with one timeout, a timeout that was misused with 35 seconds left by Eli Drinkwitz, um, but uh, nonetheless, gets them into K-State territory and just was so impressive under pressure. Uh, and then for Harrison Mevis to make that kick. Do we have the uh, call from Mike Kelly? Here it is, the Missouri Tiger Radio Network. 61-yard attempt from Harrison Mevis just to the right of the left hash. Out of the hole to Luke Bauer with three seconds to play in regulation tied at 27. Good snap, good place. Kick is up. It is... Absolutely incredible. What a great call, too. Yep. Great call. I mean, you can tell, at least I think, that he had no expectation of it being good. Understandably so. It's the longest field goal in SEC history. Not because Mevis isn't capable, but because, I mean, it's a 61-yard field goal. I give that 15% of the time he hits it. If he tries it 10 times, he hits it one and a half times, approximately. And he absolutely blasted it. K-State had two number eights out on the field. That was what the penalty flag was for, if you were watching on television. And the second number eight was in preparation for kick-six mode, like Alabama and Auburn. And when I watched him look up, I go, oh my God, he got it. Because the fact that it was online was never in doubt. Right. But the distance, of course, was, and he nailed it, and that place was up for snatch grabs. Now, one of the things, if you're you know, want to be a, a critic of Missouri, as is the case, because not everybody's a Missouri fan in the area, and I understand that. I don't believe there's, the Metro East gets ignored so often by St. Louis. Personally, I think it's a mistake. So if you're an Illinois fan or you're just starting a college football fan and you want to see Missouri fail, Schadenfreude, uh, you go, yeah, how sad is that that they rush the field? My opinion is this. If they win that game like 40 to 30, or if they're just kneeling on the ball, right. nobody's rushing the field. I agree. They rush the field because of the emotion, the unlikelihood of the the 61-yard field goal. And also because of the delay of game, which I want to spend a moment on momentarily, right before it, which fans are booing Eli Drinkwitz uh, for the delay of game, which is indefensible, uh, that to go from that low and then the expectation that K-State was going to win the game in overtime, which I'm sure most Missouri fans were feeling at that point after the delay game, to pulling that out of nowhere with the longest field goal in the history of the SEC in that moment for the game that people had circled for Missouri when the schedule came out. And I'm talking about months ago. 
a foundation-building win for Eli Drinkwitz and a significant, I think, the biggest win for the program since beating Arkansas to go to the SEC Championship in 2014 in the best game at Furrow Field since 2013 against Johnny Manziel in Texas A&M. That's the reason they rush the field, not because beating the number 15 team in the country is the reason you rush it. It's the way it went down. If Brady Cook's kneeling on the ball with a seven-point lead, I don't believe people are rushing the field. Um, so that was the reason for the rushing of the field. People were just so beside themselves. As far as the delay a game call goes, uh, I thought it was coaching malpractice on using the timeout with 35 seconds left. That was the only timeout they had left uh, because that if the clock's stopping and you're wasting time out, it was surprised in the moment. Going back and having watched it again, still don't really understand it. And then the delay of game. Had they lost that game in overtime, and we don't do the results oriented here, we don't king shame, and we're pro liberty. Had they lost that game in overtime, had Harrison Mevis missed the kick, had they lost that game in overtime. So if Harrison Mevis doesn't hit a 61-yard field goal, something that had never happened before in the SEC, and Missouri loses that game in overtime, which at that point is 50%, people are talking about nationally that being one of the biggest mistakes a head coach has made in college football in recent time. And locally, Eli Drinkwitz's job is up for grabs. That's the reality of it. And that's how close things can be in the world of sports and specifically in college football. Now, I would I would not have been one of those people because I thought it was clear the team has improved, the team was prepared. Mm-hmm. It would have been incredibly unfortunate for that to have played a role in the loss, albeit I wasn't expecting Mevis to make a 56-yarder, much less a 61-yarder. Um, but for that to happen is indefensible. Drinkwood said after the game that the players bailed him out, and he knows that falls on his shoulders. Ideally, in that set of circumstances, it happens, and you learn from it because you had it happen in a win as opposed to it being the reason for a loss and potentially the reason for you losing your job. Instead, it plays a role in the lore of one of the most famous Missouri endings in a win in recent time. And now it sets the stage for Missouri and Memphis in St. Louis on Saturday night at 630. If they can beat Memphis and if they can go to Vanderbilt uh, and win, they will be a top 20 team. And they will be hosting LSU in what could be the CBS game of the week at 2.30. Uh, it could bring college game day to Columbia, Missouri, like what happened in 2010 against Oklahoma. And you could also have another opportunity for this program to take a major step against LSU team that did not look good against Florida State, but looked great this past weekend against Mississippi State. Your thoughts on Saturday in Columbia, your thoughts on the best win since which one, the best game uh, for Missouri at Faroe Field since one, uh, three, one, four. Air Comfort Service text line. You can leave a mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. The Little Piddles uh, weekend wrap-up brought to you by Angry Beaver. Coming up, this is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What a weekend it was in the world of sports. It's time now for Little Piddle's Weekend Wrap-Up. Presented by the Angry Beaver, a couple of blocks south of Bush Stadium. Mention Piddle's for $5 off any pizza. 
Welcome back. It is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura on Toyota. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. We're giving away Blues and Brews tickets today, Jackson. How do you do? How do you like that, Tim? Join 101 ESPN for Blues and Brews this Friday evening at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Get fired up for the Blues season at this outdoor street party featuring live music from country music star Chris Lane and local blues musician Marquise Knox. Plus, appearances by blues players and alumni, food trucks, merch, 101 giveaways, and more. Tickets are on sale now, or you can text in to win free tickets to Blues and Brews at 314-399-9646. Blues and Brews is presented by Bud Light, 101 ESPN, and 92.3 WIL. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. So... We will give away the best text tickets to Blues and Brews. Coming up, a bunch of texts coming in on our first segment on the Missouri victory. Uh, great victory. It was lining up to be another Mizzou being Mizzou blown heartbreaking loss. What cannot be ignored is the wasted timeout and then the inexcusable delay of game penalty. How can all the coaches you employ allow that to happen? In that moment, someone should have the sense to game manage. It doesn't elicit confidence for future diet games. Mevis misses that kick, and we are talking about firing Drinkwitz. That's from the 573. Uh, I agree with that, and uh, I think it's a good presence of mind to go, well, we just they won, so who cares? What I would like to say is, ideally, it happened. It was egregious, but they got it in a win, and therefore... It won't happen again because they did have it occur. So you learn from that. That's what my hope is. Yeah, you know, watching that play as it unfolded, as Eli Drinkwitz is talking with Brady Cook, as the play clock is at four seconds on the field, I was like, "Are are you at?" Like, I really thought my life was going to end right there. Like, I was truly distraught because everyone scrambled. I was like, did, did you think you called a timeout? You just clocked the ball. You don't have time for this. And you're trying to kick a massively long field goal to win the game. Now you've just moved it back five mm-hmm. yards, and then they send the offense back out. I was like, oh, great. So all we're just going to try for a Hail Mary, I guess. Lucky the ball was batted down. <laughs> Seriously. because if That was about the best case scenario in that spot because if he catches it, who knows? Who knows if you have enough time. You get right. out of bounds in time. I mean, so, yeah, lucky in that sense. I will say, and I made this point on TMA, but it is equally as boneheaded for Eli Drinkwitz to be have that delay of game penalty as Chris Kleiman is for Kansas State to send two number eights on the field for that. Because he called a timeout before Mevis's kick and then sent out two guys wearing number eight. So if Mevis misses that kick, they get another chance five yards short. That's that correct. Most people boneheaded. probably don't... Uh don't know Tim uh, why was there a flag on that play because if you're watching on television that was the focal point if you were at the game uh, you probably didn't even know that that occurred but a flag was thrown and so the call on television understandably so uh, the broadcast uh, the play-by-play man said hey there's a flag on the play it turns out there was a flag it was on K-State and it was because they had two number eights out there one was who positioned to do the kick six mm-hmm. return Alabama Auburn and uh, one in I guess attempting to block the it's kick on the line yeah because yeah. I don't think that number eight that's under the field goal under the goal post is usually out there so they probably that probably was an oversight still uh, that's something that can be very controlled. And if K-State, I couldn't imagine being a K-State fan if they would have returned that kick for a touchdown, had to come back and watch Mevis kick a 56-yarder instead. Uh, let's uh, go to uh, the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. It's presented to you by Angry Beaver. 
Yeah, so staying on the Missouri topic, what did you make of Drink's comments about Brady Cook being booed before the game? Do, do you, you have that sound? I sure do. All right, let's do, take a listen. Yeah, do you, uh, I'll continue the question just real quick. Do you think that he was actually being booed, or do you think Drink saw an opportunity to make a statement in defense of his guys? Here is the quote from Eli Drinkwitz. I'm going to say it. It pissed me off when we booed our starting quarterback to start the game. That pissed me off. And he went out there and played his butt off for this university and this team. They need to get behind him. We need to get behind the young man. You want to boo me, fine. You don't boo the starting quarterback. It's bull crap. I'll say it again. It should never happen. Eli Drinkwitz following the game. Uh, the, the weird thing about that is from some people who are at the game, they said he didn't get booed. Uh, Gabe DeArman said he didn't hear it, but he said he also was late to getting in his seat in the press box. Uh, so he personally didn't hear it. He said he was told by some people that he did he- that they did hear boos and it was coming from the student section, but it wasn't overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't hear it, but I, I was watching on television, so right. it's not like you would hear it on right. television. Um, so what's your question with regarding the soundbite? Yeah, do you think he was actually being booed, or do you think, so do you think that this was a little bit blown out of proportion, an opportunity for Drinkwitz to defend his guys? Uh, you know, obviously that clip, something like that, when you're going to get worked up like that over something like this, is going to go around, uh, as we call it, the Twitter tweets. It's going to go a little bit viral. Do you think he saw an opportunity to back his guy, or do you think that Missouri fans are really booing uh, Brady Cook in a a mean manner before the game. I don't. I, I honestly don't know because yeah. I mean, if I, I the, the weird the, the question is, was he getting booed? Right. Yeah. I mean, that, it's, because some Missouri fans were there said they were booing Trinkwitz. Right. There were boos right before Mevis kicked the ball, and I know he's talking about the pregame introductions. They definitely weren't booing Brady Cook. No. They were booing Eli Trinkwitz. Right. So. I, I don't know. I don't know on that because I'd be building a premise off of something that may not have happened. Right. And that's the core issue is that this is not universally agreed that it occurred. Sure. And uh, that being said, you know, whether it occurred in the way that Drink is alluding to or not, I do think it is a really an opportunity for him to what, just to make crap up and not not necessarily even that, but even if it's just a smattering of some fans, some fans, like college students, especially, you know, 19, 20 year olds. You know, it, it, either way, it's an opportunity for him to say, I'm standing with my guy. And if you're an incoming recruit or you're a guy on our team who, you know, is thinking about leaving, it's a great opportunity for him to show that he sticks by his guys and he knows it's going to go out there across the world, across the college football world. And he can kind of make his little stand, uh, you know, whether it was as loud as it kind of seems to be based on that audio clip. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I would say that it was a great opportunity for him to stand by his guy. Guys, I was at the game and I never heard anybody booing him. That is from the 314. From the 573, Brooke also said it was bullcrap. I don't know what that, if that's in, she's saying it was bullcrap that he got booed or that it was bullcrap to boo Brady yeah, Cook. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, if you could elaborate, uh, 573 person who texted that in because we're on at the same time doing TMA, so I didn't hear what Brooke had to say. Yeah, either way, I mean, either way, it's not. But you can always, if you're the fans booing, you can always say, I'm booing Drinkwitz, I'm booing the play calling, I'm not booing Brady Cook. Well, the, 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 the way that it was portrayed is they introduced the starters, and when Brady Cook was introduced, he was booed. And that is what Eli Drinkwitz was referencing in the post game. But then some fans who were there were saying, we're there, we didn't hear him getting booed, so we don't know why he's 
saying this. Right. So that's that's kind of why this thing is strange. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I watched the entire press conference. He spent about 10 seconds on his boneheaded play that almost cost Missouri the game. And then he got, you know, he really chewed on the scenery there on the uh, cliff for Brady Cook. So kind of showed he kind of made a joke out of it too he's like you gotta add a little dramatics i was like you sir are a lucky lucky man that you have a a boot for a kicker who also is when we talk about free rolling and having just a a clear mind when you got a 61 yarder in front of you to win the game but it's tied worst case you go to overtime i understand why mevis is a lot more confident over balls like that sure you had nothing to lose right you know and he absolutely crushed that thing uh across the world who do you think was watching freaking Mizzou postgame? Get a grip. Not everyone cares about that joke of a program. That's from the 314. Seems like you're coming at it with a rational mind. I believe I said across the college football world. I would be surprised if those, you know, in Western Europe were really locked in the Missouri Tigers, but I know I would be I if I was see, over there. I could see France. Yeah, I know that actually the Tigers play big in Sweden. So, oh, was, yeah, nice to see, I guess. Uh, let's see. Yeah, people who were there were saying that they didn't hear it. So I don't. I don't know. Right. I wasn't there, so I can't tell you. Right. Let me just say this: He won't be booed this week in in St. Louis. That's no. got nothing to do with St. Louis. Uh, it's just because of the way he performed. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. I mean, and he was hurt. I mean, he was hurt for more than half the game. Yeah. And I just and, and that's the thing about that game is I just like, okay, they're gonna lose the game and we're not really gonna get an idea of where they are because the starting quarterback got hurt. And instead, while hurt, he played the way that he did in the fourth quarter. And also Will Howard of Kansas State was hurt, so that needs to be included in the conversation. But nonetheless, Cook was able to do that uh, on one good leg for about sixty percent of the game. Just outstanding. Really, really impressive and, and reason for optimism uh, going into this weekend. And hey, I the SEC is not looking like the SEC that it has been over the last decade. It looks vulnerable. Missouri's K-State win is the best win the SEC has outside the conference. All right, it is uh, 1030 in St. Louis. We'll take a break here. Come back with Little Piddle's Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan, St. Louis, Akron, all Toyota, one of when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Balloon Party. Drew by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura on Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're giving away blues and brews tickets coming up in the final segment here. So your best text will win tickets to blues and brews this Friday evening at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Send in your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Action Jackson, you don't happen to have the Little Pills Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up questions 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6? Yeah, I got some questions for you. You do have them. I got some questions for you. Well, let's do it then. All right. 
Colorado versus Colorado State was a game that featured a lot before and during the game. What were your thoughts on the game? Mainly the hit on Travis Hunter. Also, is every coach just going to give Colorado free bulletin board material? Oregon's coach has already planted the seed for that one. Are we bordering on WWE-level theatrics out of the Pac-12? I thought um, Colorado State played like marks. And by marks, I mean you fell into the trap. They had... I'm putting you on the spot, and that's not fair. Never ask a question on radio you don't know the answer to or the you can get yourself, i.e., how many personal files Colorado State had. That information is readily available. Uh, but my my overall point, as Jackson's looking it up, is, uh, and that's on me for not having it ready, but uh, they had so many personal files. They hit on Trav 10. I thought it was 10, but it seemed so asinine <laughs> ten. that I, 10 personal files. Yeah. Marks, and by that I mean you fell into the trap. So you you got all riled up and you lost control, and that's on their head coach. Not because of the sunglasses comment about Deion Sanders. Whatever he got more attention. Is it Jay Norvell? Is that the name of the Jay coach? Jay Norvell, Mike Norvell, Forest State. Okay. Jay Norvell, Colorado State. Then he will most likely ever get uh, by saying that. And maybe that was his strategy when he made those comments on the Colorado State radio program on Wednesday. And then Deion Sanders uses, well, now they made it personal. Fine. Whatever. They got to get motivated. I mean, hey, you go from playing TCU in Nebraska to then Colorado State in the middle and then going to Oregon and hosting USC. It would be under, it's kind of like the Memphis game. It's a classic trap game. You got to get your guys riled. You get them riled up. Fine. Whatever. And Jay Norvell says what he says. Their whole theme at Colorado State's were blue collar. They were, they're always talking about clocking in early, leaving late, blue collar, lunch pail guys. That's their whole thing. Okay, fine. But then to lose your mind and take the bait and have 10 personal fouls not even getting into the hit on Travis Hunter, which we'll talk about in a moment. You cost yourself the football game. That's a game you lost in double overtime. Yep. Ten personal fouls cost you winning in Boulder for a signature win for that program. You want to talk about coaching malpractice and the delay of game for Eli Drinkwitz? I think what took place with Jay Norvell in Colorado State is way worse than that. The hit on Travis Hunter. We see guys who get thrown out of games and 15-yard penalties for unintentional targeting. Yeah. I understand why the rule's there. I'm not complaining about the rule. What I'm saying is that guy in Colorado State should have had his ass tossed out right away for that. The ball was on the ground by the time he hit Travis Hunter. It was a total bait by tra- by by Colorado and it worked in the sense that Colorado State fell for it and they then didn't control their emotions. Colorado uses it as motivation. Colorado State used it as a way to beat themselves. So in that sense, Deion Sanders got what he wanted. That was amateur-ass behavior. Ten personal fouls. My God. It cost them what would have been one of the biggest wins in their program to go into Boulder with that team. Everybody talking. Deion Sanders on 60 Minutes last. That would have been really weird for the big 60 (laughs) Minutes feature after they lost to Colorado State. Talking about he's the best coach in the country. Do you have a mirror? It's me. Except he just lost to Colorado State, but our piece has already been edited and it's in the can. Except you just lost to Colorado State. So Jay Norvell and the lack of discipline, not the sunglasses comment, killed his football team. 187 yards in penalties, the Colorado State Rams missed. 187 yards in penalties. And they still almost won the game. But because of that, 
they lose in double overtime in a game that they really should have won. And Colorado was on their own two-yard line after that punt late in the fourth quarter, too. Yeah. Yeah, but it's almost like once the once Colorado got the ball late in the fourth quarter, you almost knew that like Colorado was scoring and this game was going to overtime. Like I just felt yeah, that that game was wild, so much going on before and then obviously during the hit on Travis Hunter is that was truly one of the nastiest like blatant cheap shots I've ever seen. In in in, in recent co- in recent football rules it is. I mean, you go back yeah, and right, look at rules right. from like the 90s and 80s <laughs> yeah. and certainly 70s and 60s, you'll see a totally different thing. But with that that, so, like I said, you get guys tossed for targeting that's not intentional, and it's disputed, and they got to go frame by frame on replay. Here is a blatant cheap shot. And now, Travis Hunter, it was just announced this morning, is going to miss the next three games. Oh, There's terrible. a guy who was in the mix for the Heisman. Now he's out for their game this week in Oregon. Yep. Huge game at home against USC in the following week. It's brutal, just for a total tr- cheap shot garbage. Yeah. And those legitimately really- pisses me off, and I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, another question about Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. They have amassed some of the most hype I have ever seen in such a short amount of time, so much so that they're the top headline after every game they play. Have you seen this level of hype and national interest in a team or player similar to primetime in Colorado in recent years? I'm not even sure what can compare. Um, to go from, I, I mean, I think we, I think we see it, but it's usually in the professional ranks, right? Almost never in college. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had this. I mean, yeah. this time last week, life was a lot different. If you were a fan of the New York Jets, uh, you got to see Zach Wilson and four interceptions yesterday, and their loss to the Cowboys. Um, with regards to a college program. I'm sure when a coach has bounced from one place to another, but usually the premier coaches don't go from a premier spot to a team that had won one game and right. had been a punchline for a couple of decades, really. I know Colorado was in the top 25 in 2020, the pandemic year, for a, for a respite, but it wasn't a long stay. So this, and people are, oh, the ESPN hype train. Now there's a little backlash to Colorado, inevitably. We saw it kind of like with Michael Block and golf, yeah. uh, you know, too much Michael Block. People get tired of something coming out, some people get tired of something coming out of nowhere and then receiving a lot of attention. Well, it's receiving attention because people are watching. Right. They're breaking records for viewership for Colorado games. And it's even better this week with them going to Oregon. Yeah. That's going to be a great game. It sucks, though, that you're not seeing the whole Colorado offense and defense with Travis Hunter out of the game. Yeah, It's really tilting. That's a cheap shot thing. And I would say that if a Missouri player had done it, it doesn't matter. It's so cheap. It's garbage what took place there. 100%. One thing that also kind of frustrates might be too strong of a word, but certainly uh, is thought-provoking is like, you know, we've seen now kind of a power shift in college football. The SEC, as we talked about earlier today, is not what the SEC was in recent years. I mean, there is no real super dominant team. We saw Georgia struggle and Alabama struggle both this weekend, uh, pulling out wins, but still struggling. But the Pac-12 seems to be the conference that's kind of holding the power at the moment. And this is the last year of it. It's almost like if this had been the level, the product of football they've been putting out for the last 10 years, maybe that media deal is way different. But you know, we don't worry the, the days of Pac-12 football being like this. It's cool to see, but it's just not going to be the future. And it's kind of like, where were you five, six years ago, Pac-12? You know, because I like seeing USC. I mean, it's in, more interesting to me that Colorado is getting all the national attention as opposed to Georgia or Alabama or Auburn. 
Uh, Colorado is the story of college football, and justifiably so. But uh, you get an idea of the importance of psychology. And I think, understandably, they were overlooking them. They're going, okay, we got to go to Oregon, and we have a chance to be undefeated if we get past them, hosting Caleb Williams and USC. And they were very fortunate they got that win. Now, for the record, uh, Colorado and Oregon, number 19 versus number 10. That's a 2.30 start in Eugene, Oregon this weekend. And Jackson, uh, since you have a Pac-12 fetish, Oregon State is number 14 and Washington State's number 21. They play at 6 p.m. on Fox. UCLA uh, is also ranked, and they are playing uh, ranked Washington State this weekend. So it is a big matchup telling you, man. Uh, for uh, the UCLA and Utah, excuse me, 22 and 21. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like, you know, and now, and now we're going to get to see UCLA take on you know, Maryland. Oregon State and Washington State, the two teams that are on the outside <laughs> looking in are playing each other, and they're both in the top 25. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, you have USC at Arizona State, and USC is ranked number five. So you have USC. You have some brands that are back in but that haven't gotten to the mountaintop right. recently. In USC, Florida State, Texas, and Michigan, yep. they've all had their moments, but they haven't had them in a while, and they're all there, although Florida State State and Texas looked vulnerable this weekend. Florida State had a two-point win at Boston College. Texas was trailing Wyoming at one point in Austin. So maybe this could be one of those crazy years in college football. And 2007 is one of the craziest years in college football. And that, of course, the last time Missouri got to number one in the country. We'll take a commercial break. Come back with the final segment of Bloom Party. Give away the Blues and Brews tickets as well. Text in. You can win yours. And then BK and Ferrario take over at 11 o'clock. This is Bloom Party driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. BK and Ferrari will have Miles Michaelis coming up at 1130 on their program. So that is coming up here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Action Jackson, who is getting the Blues and Brews tickets? It's taking place with 101 ESPN this Friday evening at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Oh, we got a text here from the 618. What does the 618 have to say? How can a 15-year-old gamer run a YouTube channel and your station can't get it right? Wow, 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 yeah. wow. It's tough. It's tough, but fair. So Are much you so. in charge of the... Uh... I'm not, but I, I, I do think this one's on me. I agree with you. Good. You know, I'm glad you're taking you know. responsibility. Well, the yeah. reality is, unfortunately, if you run into a problem with YouTube... Uh, as many of my favorite, favorite adult stars do with Instagram, you are you are usually SOL. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough. There isn't a number head. that you can call with a three one four in front of it with somebody who lives in like Olivet and says, "Oh, what's wrong with the YouTube fella?" Yeah, that isn't the way that it works. No, it's a, it's the customer service. Not they'll send you back and forth with Google. That's basically what you do. YouTube, you call YouTube. They're like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna this Google problem. We'll put you in touch with yeah. Google, and then Google puts you in touch with YouTube, and then you'll get thrown around, and uh, eventually you'll just be so tired of it." Much like when people tried to cancel their Spectrum plans when yeah. they lost ESPN, it's yeah. difficult to fix problems or get rid of them and not spend money. It's tough. So, yeah. So there it is. Uh, congratulations, Blues and Brews tickets uh, for the text here. Air Comfort Service text line three one four three nine 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 six four six. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, and that means we have the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend Wrap Up. Woot, woot, woot. So John Mozeliak has said that Ali Marmol. Sticking around for another year, and his job is not in jeopardy. 
going into the 2024 season. I feel like season. you're not reading this and you're asking me. Well, I, I feel a, a tad like we have, well, some of my questions are... Uh, because usually when you're doing the weekend wrap-up or the half-and-half half of the sports business, is it newsletter, review, or journal? Uh, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> and then the six-shooter yeah. uh, that you're looking down... And you're reading. But here I noticed you were looking at me and I'm like, oh, did you just like, are you doing lines and you remembered a script? (laughs) And then then I thought, oh, when I asked Matt Rocchio and Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis what they talked about on opening drive and they said people were pissed that Ali Marmol is coming back. You go, I didn't even realize that that was a newsworthy topic and you're inserting it right here. That's my read. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, You're spot on. But. I think there's some context that needs to be added around Please it. feel free. I feel, you know, we've discussed this Missouri Tiger game, and as we should, mm-hmm. Missouri Tigers got one of the biggest wins at Furrow Field in the recent decade or so. I would agree with that. So uh, certainly a topic that deserves it. Deion Sanders in Colorado have been a talking point around the nation. And so I felt uh, we've we've done a good job of breaking down those topics and maybe, you know, some noteworthy in the Cardinals. We haven't had sure, much James noteworthy. Sure, uh, talked it over with the media on Friday in the dugout. Yeah. And on the off chance, people thought he was going to replace the manager. He is not, yeah. unless this is a real big-time bait-and-switch. <laughs> this would I mean, be the I know, Mike, I know Mike Schilt showed up to a Zoom call and was caught <laughs> off guard once, so who knows what the hell happens. But, uh, yeah, he's... I don't know. I, you know, we need the YouTube right now because <laughs> I just did the old Norm Stewart on a call he doesn't agree with. I just, I don't know. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll repeat my talking points. Another campaign stop for me. Yeah. And I'll, I'll play my hits and I'll say it again. I cannot imagine another market in the United States or in Canada with the Blue Jays when you could have a season with these kinds of expectations and the deliverables that you got without a bunch of injuries, by the way, with the problems people were concerned about delivering you into this kind of performance, i.e. pitching and question marks in the outfield, and everybody just gets to keep their job. I, I, and, and it's just kind of like, we just kind of accept it. Yeah. It's just, it's mind blowing to me, but the, I, I'm not, I'm not going to like yell about it. It's just not, you know, I was kind of hoping you would. It's just not where I am in my life. Uh, I, I mean, I can do performance art if you would like, Yeah, you know, but I, I'm just, I'm, I, I would say I'm confused, but I'm really not. This is, this is. This is what they do, and this is what pisses fans off. Yeah. That there is a perceived complacency, or there is complacency, and that you just get to keep going without any penalty. Yeah. Now, I want to make this clear. I don't think Ali Marmol should have lost his job. Let me make that clear, Mm -hmm. for the record. But the same people who put the roster together that I believe is Roman numeral number one in my outline as to why the 2023 season was a disaster are the same ones being entrusted to fix it. And listen, the Cardinals are going to be going up against a super hungry Red Sox and Yankees for starting pitching. Mm -hmm. Both of them need it. Yeah, I mean, they both really need it. They both have had disappointing years. Whoever else may be engaging in the competition for Snell and Nola, 
the Julio Urias news um, is brutal for a number of reasons. Uh, certainly uh, the number one reason being the allegations. But secondarily, it then concentrates the top tier free agent pitchers right. to two as opposed to three. If you're operating the premise that it was Urias, Snell, and Nola. Yeah. So then you can get in a spot where now you're going you're going Contreras, and by that I mean you're you're paying way more than you ever anticipated paying for that spot. I think the Cardinal plan is to acquire a pitcher via trade and to sign a big-time pitcher via free agency. That's what I believe the plan is. But, I mean, they, they, I just I keep going back to it, and I hope they prove me wrong. I will be happy that if people are texting in, hey, well, remember when you said the Cardinals were far away from contention in 2024 and they're in first place by 15 games? We're talking about a 1985-2004 caliber Cardinal team. I just think they're so far away. They're so far away that one of the biggest misses, and again, it's not fair to not contextualize it with, hey, if Paul Goldschmidt wouldn't allow to be traded, to not acquire as much as you could for Goldschmidt and maybe even Arenado if he was willing to go to Los Angeles and the Dodgers were willing to overpay because the Dodgers have a flush with young pitching. And that was pre Julio Urias and these latest domestic violence allegations. Uh, So certainly they wouldn't make that move now considering what's going on with him. But um, I just don't, I I think, and then I also think publicly saying we're returning to contention in 2024. Now the fans have that expectation. It's kind of like saying we're going to increase the payroll and then not doing it. It pisses people off. Right. You can't afford to piss off the people who pay your bills. So with that said, um, I I really, I mean, do you think New York is, and I'm talking about whether it be the Mets or the Yankees. I mean, you saw what Boston did last week. Oh yeah. Uh, that people are just going to stand pat if they had disappointing years. But this place, that's what goes on. And there's this kind of, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what goes on. And yet the Blues, the ones who are operating on a shorter budget, are the ones who go balls to the wall. And that's why people, even though coming off a bad year, still emotionally invest because they feel like it's reciprocated. And that, I think, is one of the core issues with the Cardinals. Your thoughts are always welcome. BK and Ferrario will carry the discussion over into BK and Ferrario starting up here in a matter of moments. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.